Hey guys, real quick, just needed to address something at the top. When you listen to this podcast, you will hear myself and PJ Cable talking about the fact, discussing the fact that we are actually recording video at the same time that we did our audio under the impression that we'd have a video version of this podcast up on the Movie House YouTube channel. By the time we got done and I saw all of the files, I realized that our video and our audio files weren't syncing up because they recorded audio at different bit rates. So long story short, I just couldn't get it to sync up and it was just going to be, it was a shit show, simply put. So we're postponing that debut. So when you hear me and PJ discuss it, just ignore it. There is no video version of this podcast on the YouTube channel. However, the YouTube channel is still there and there is an audio version of this podcast, just like there's audio versions of most of the podcasts that have come out so far. So you can still go to the YouTube channel, still subscribe, get ready. Video is coming very soon. It is just not today after all. We're so sorry. I wish that it was on video. I really, really do. I was super excited. Just not going to happen. So in the meantime, we're going to get it figured out. This is what I get for not testing shit out first. I should have tested it. That's my bad. We will test it this week. Hopefully not the next episode because the next episode is TV House on Monday. Maybe by the time we get to Movie House next Friday, we'll have it up and running. I actually like bought a new computer, so that'll help. I got to change some settings on PJ's computer as well because he did his in his room, and we're gonna we're gonna fix the audio in in his room as well. It's all gonna be fixed. So just temporarily bear with us. We love you so much, and just enjoy. Stay safe. Be responsible. Be healthy. Bye-bye. This is a little strange starting off because I have to address a webcam now. It's weird. There's an audience on YouTube that may or may not be watching this podcast visually. It's going to be the last time I address you, okay? I'm talking to you, audience, webcam. I got to be in podcast mode even though the lights are on me. PJ Campbell, you're across the hall in another room. (laughs) What's up? (laughs) It feels weird. Like I'm talking to you, but I'm not talking to you right now. And kind of like you said, like we're talking to an audience that's probably watching us on YouTube. And that feels really strange right now. So I'm not quite used to this yet. But, you know, we got this. We we got this. It's feeling feeling different, feeling interesting. We do got this. Um, Some people are probably wondering why the hell we've got it set up this way. I, I could see someone thinking that this is maybe the most stupid thing that we could possibly do, but I happen to think it's the smartest thing that we can do because typically you and I are in this very room when we record this podcast, but for the longest time, I was sitting at the edge of my bed. Yes, that was my podcast seat right there, and you were somewhere back here and on the floor. This is better because not only are we introducing video, there was no way, there was no way 
we were going to be able to have like proper good looking video and the current setup that we had in my room. It's just not going to happen. So we've been working on our own little workstations here. So you've got your setup over there, right? Yes, sir. I was going to say, I mean, you and I, uh, we've actually been talking about this. Like the funny thing is, is that everything that happened with this quarantine ended up being almost perfect because everything you and I had wanted to do, we started being able to do, which was building little workstations and like studio space for us to do content. And now we can do that and also try to use both of these studios to help us also. That's right. I like that you use the word studios, by the way. It makes me feel way yeah. better about it. Just because, look, you can see my horrible paint job where I just kind of abruptly stopped painting right here. And your your background is super nice. You got you got like the the YouTuber's dream background. Like the, the movie YouTuber's dream background. A shelf of Blu-rays. It's way better than my overexposed window. And uh, there we go. I mean, I, it ended up being like the perfect space for me to do it because this is also technically my office. This is like where I work when I'm doing not podcast stuff, like when I do my work from home stuff for Schmodown and things like that. This is where I do it. So right. now you guys can see like this is actually where I work and all of this around me is literally just all my movies. That's mm -hmm. all this is. And but it's also absolutely perfect as a backdrop. If I wanted to, I could just hold up my PlayStation and be like, these are all my movies or uh, they're on my phone, I guess. <laughs> Because I, I use Chromecast. Hi, this is my video yeah. library. So, that's what I'm just going to do. I'm just going to have my phone. Oh, there's some text popping up. Uh, I'm just going to have my phone uh, propped up in the, in the corner wall, and that'll be my movie collection. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's perfect, right? It only makes sense because you're a digital guy. I'm a physical media guy. We, we get through this together. That's right. Uh, anyway, guys, welcome to Movie House. Whether you're listening on the podcast feed or the YouTube channel, thank you. So right this second, I believe we have 43 YouTube subscribers, which is which is fantastic for not having any video content whatsoever. I think the Joker commentary like popped off when we first put it up uh, forever ago, and I think it actually got uh, a strike on it. But anyway, regardless of that, How, this is, he caught a strike on it for the yeah, did the audio come through? Cody and Kieran, I love them to death, but they are not like super experienced at podcasting so th they, they can get the job done but they don't have like an ear for it which you know there, there's levels of that too it's not like i expect them to be masters or anything i'm not a master but um god love them they just had the audio way too loud on the movie when they were doing the commentary so that that wonderful oscar winning score came through their microphones and uh, that's what got the strike uh, yeah got it so yeah and that, that's why i was We're, afraid to do the commentary for rise of skywalker and that's why i muted my tv when the john williams uh, slammed in because i didn't want another joker scenario going on yeah because i actually just did a frozen watch along commentary as well on my other on my youtube channel and i was afraid of the same thing because i was watching it on my ipad Yep. next to my computer where we were streaming off of and i also had the microphone here like over to my right so i was afraid that even a little bit of audio might pick up but i think we ended up being okay because we were talking over it pretty right. much the whole time right. so yeah speaking of that guys before we get to the episode at hand here we, we got all kinds of channels for you to subscribe to so please go to youtube and subscribe to the up and running movie house youtube channel it's 
not that big right now, so I guess it's probably not going to pop up unless you like really look for it and really look for the logo. But people are lazy on the internet, so I'm going to put the link to the Movie House YouTube channel in the description of the podcast uh, description. And I know that you guys are out there. We get great numbers on the podcast listen. We get great subscribers on our Letterboxd. We... We threw out our letterbox link. There was a call to action. You guys answered, and we got a lot of followers on there, too. So those same people that answered that call need to subscribe to the Movie House YouTube channel. We're going to try to do video every time we do a podcast. Now now that PJ and I are able to do this, Austin Burke sometimes helps us out as well, and, and I think we're prepping for that, too. Cody and Kieran, I don't know yet, but right now, the three of us will have this. So be on the lookout for all that stuff. And PJ just talked about his YouTube channel. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. Uh, if you guys head over to YouTube, you can look for the PJ Campbell Show Network. And that sounds crazy, I know. But the, this has kind of been a long time coming. It's something I've been working on for about a year uh, behind the scenes with a couple of people in the space. Evan DeGraff uh, from Take 3, and he was someone who's in the Schmoes community. Uh, Chris Clark also from Take 3. Jacob London. Um, and then Patrick Hogue and Frank Janish, uh, who I had been doing the PJ Campbell show with for quite a little while. And we decided we wanted to start a channel and we wanted to do commentaries and we wanted to do some other shows. Um, and this was like the perfect time to do it. The quarantine's going on. None of us are really working. And so we decided to start a channel and uh, we're doing two watch alongs a week. One's an animated film and one is a cult film. Uh, we started with Army of Darkness and we did a Frozen 2 commentary earlier in the week. Now we're doing Scott Pilgrim versus the World on Friday night uh, at 7 p.m. PST. And then we also have a couple of other shows. The PJ Campbell show is coming back. We have Something Rotten where Frank Janish and I will literally review rotten films. We're also going to be doing commentaries that will go along with those movies uh, with Frank and I called PJ and Frank's Movie commentaries and we have another show called suddenly soundtracks where chris clark will take an audience through certain musicals and things like that go down the soundtrack talk about the songs it's a show that he had done before and he's really excited about bringing back so where i'm very much looking forward to that and we are already over 50 subscribers which i couldn't believe we have two videos up right now but kind of to what ryan's point was is that we put that link out there and the audience started to answer. So if you're listening to this right now and you haven't subscribed to that channel already, if you could head there, that would be awesome. And to help find Movie House, if you haven't, if you head to my channel, I have it linked also on my channel for Movie House. So it's a very quick and easy way to subscribe to both channels. Totally. Yeah. And that will also be in the link in the description down below as well. So you guys can can take care of us. We love you so much. We're very thankful for your Support, especially right now, because I just found out yesterday that I'm off work for like another 30 days or so. So I've got all the time in the world, got some other projects that uh, I'm not ready to announce yet, but I'm working on. So, in addition to the work we're doing on the YouTube channels and everything going on on Movie House and what we're going to end up doing with TV House, there's even more coming. And uh, we can't wait to show you what we have in store. So, uh, are you ready to get down with this podcast, what we're here to do? Hell yeah, I am, man. I'm always ready for this. This is something that I thought up uh, a couple months ago. Just figured we could assess the situation throughout the year as we try to keep track of everything we watch on Letterboxd. I figured, hey, every three months we'll do a quarterly report and, again, assess the situation, assess the landscape. We've been talking a lot about 
the coronavirus right now. I mean, that's the talk of the town. What movies are going to get delayed? And I don't know if it's possible to have the conversation I want to have without implementing that as well. But it's also just like the thing we've already been talking about. And I wanted to make it a little bit more about the movies that we've seen. But it's it, it, it's naturally going to come up because in three months when we're ready to do our other quarterly report, we might not have any movies to talk about whatsoever, you know? So it's just, it's just like yeah. this weird, it's this weird funky time. Of course goes without saying super obvious, but it's just part of it. Right? Well, it's weird too, because like this morning, like just naturally speaking of this top gun got pushed back to December. So at the, the moment, place two is labor day. Yeah. So literally, we're sitting here wondering what the rest of the year is going to look like because there's nothing on the schedule basically outside of I think Tenet is still in its July spot and of all <laughs> things Artemis Fowl. Artemis Fowl is still there guys at the end of May. So I don't know what we're really looking at as far as the rest of the year goes because everything's going to just keep shifting and changing and yeah. It's a weird time, man. Like, there's nothing that's ever been like this. Did you know that Bad Boys for Life is still the highest grossing film of the year? You know, it, it deserves to be the highest grossing movie of, <laughs> of all time, as far as I'm concerned. No, I, I, I agree. <laughs> I would be ecstatic if it literally finished 2020 still as the highest grossing movie of the year. I mean, hilarious. Oh, It'd be amazing, and the, it would also like p- show Sony like this massive payoff for they waited so long to do it. They didn't. They put it out <laughs> in January because they didn't think there'd be an audience, and then it popped <laughs> off and was the mo- the highest grossing film of the year. It'd be incredible. Yeah. But what's funny is that like, if I didn't like the movie, there's no way I would let anybody get away with like celebrating that accolade. Because the the joke is obviously, look, it took a pandemic. To make sure that Bad Boys for Life is the highest grossing movie of all time. Like, that's hilarious. Maybe it's not hilarious, but when you put it in that context, it doesn't make Sony sound like much of a winner after all. <laughs> because right. it's like, well, what would have what Bad Boys for Life done if Black Widow came out traditionally, if Mulan came out traditionally? Um, no, I, I like the movie, and uh, I love it. I, I, I think that there are better movies this year, but I understand within the context of what I think a big movie is, why they're not surpassing Bad Boys for Life. No, no, totally. I mean, like I look at, we've, I think I've seen 15 films for the year. You've seen roughly the same amount. And that may kind of be where we're stalled for a little bit if things don't change, which is a weird feeling. But I look at it right now and it's like, I can't imagine almost any of the films that I've seen making more money than it at the moment which is kind of crazy. There's only one that I thought might have done better than it, and it did not, so. Well, yeah, I guess we're kind of naturally getting into the conversation here, so what a great place to start. I want to know what movie you think, I think I know what you're going to say. I think you're I think you're talking about Onward. You're looking at Onward as traditionally the bigger box office success, right? I, I was somewhere between Onward and Birds of Prey. Now that you kind of say it that way, like me too, either of them. Yeah, I think either of these two films could have easily been the bigger box office plays for the year. Birds of Prey is still the weirdest thing to me because I really thought that there was going to be a bigger audience for it. And then I look at Onward and Onward just got totally screwed by the pandemic. So, yeah, I I, and again, that's no fault of the film itself. But let's 
let's talk about Birds of Prey for a second. The initial report came out a few days ago, and it still doesn't quite make sense. Like, it doesn't quantify it entirely because they don't have, like, hard numbers to look at when it comes to these VOD sales. But also, a lot of these movies are kind of hard to compare because some of them are coming out with some box office, and some of them go straight to uh, being rented as opposed to being bought and rented. Like, the money coming in for all of these movies varies wildly already. Um, Yes. But more people have seen um, uh, Bloodshot at home than they have Birds of Prey. So there's a few different factors that we can kind of look at. What I've just said, the fact that Birds of Prey had a much longer run at the box office. It, it kind of maybe completed its theatrical run. I mean, Birds of Prey was in theaters long enough. Don't you think? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we we could sort of talk about its success at the box office in general, but for this conversation, the fact that more people are watching Bloodshot, it's like, okay, Bloodshot had less time in the theater, so more people haven't seen it, so more people are checking it out at home. I get that. But... I also have this narrative going on in my head, and I want to know how you've read the room on this. Birds of Prey is being very, not underestimated, but there's this there's this reaction to it um, online that I typically don't like to address that uh, I just kind of didn't believe was was real until like this past week. Apparently, there's just this this group that doesn't think the movie is good whatsoever, which kind of blows my mind. Um, and so people are just kind of hate birds of prey. I think more than any other movie this year has the haters quote unquote. I totally agree with you. And it's crazy to me because I'm, I'm assuming that you and I saw the same thread, uh, from one very unfortunately toxically seeming individual that rallied up a whole (laughs) bunch of people behind it. And it's crazy to me because I get that there's people who aren't going to like movies and that's fine. But there's Mm. like this whole narrative behind this film that being like that it's a feminist agenda sort of thing and that they don't like that. And it's like anti-male, which I think is bizarrely inaccurate. But yeah. It's just a weird thing. Like, I I, I feel like people are threatened by strong female characters and strong female-led films. And that's really sad and really strange to me when you think about some of the greatest action heroes of the last 30 years are all women also. Like, Terminator, Sarah Connor is arguably one of the greatest female action leads of all time. Ripley and Alien. Like, you know, I look at that stuff and it's like, how can people who grew up watching stuff like that then go after something like birds of prey and be upset about some sort of feminist agenda? It makes no sense to me. Well, with that comparison specifically, I I think the people that might fall under that umbrella don't, they're not able to sort of quantify that in their heads. I agree. Maybe, maybe they're idiots because (laughs) uh, Ripley, Ripley is still surrounded by a ton of men. Uh, it's the, that movie's directed by a male. It, it's different. Right. And we're we're gonna make sure that this is the first female led. Like they get caught up in that stuff. We're gonna make sure that there's a female director and a female screenwriter. They get caught up in all that bullshit. So, Birds of Prey in the mind of this person is actually very different than than Aliens. Which I I mean I agree with you 100. I, I I think 
and I said this to you the other day, when, when people don't necessarily, so, so the people that are just like Birds of Prey is not a good movie and they're just trying to downplay the movie itself, even though they have all these biases in their head. There's just not a world where this movie is bad. No, like, it's just it's just not true. Like the people that think that The Force Awakens is bad, like it's just not a bad movie. Like, no, and you can I, totally not like it. I mean, I guess that's right. fine. That's your opinion. But sure. th- there's definitely you had someone who mentioned you the other day who literally said something along the lines of uh, imagine thinking Birds of Prey isn't the worst movie of the year. And it's like it's literally not. If you think Birds of Prey right. is the worst movie of the year there you are not watching enough movies number one and right. number two it's just grossly inaccurate it's it's the worst movie of the year if the only other movie you've seen this year is bad boys for life correct <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's uh and still like it's just crazy to me man i don't know i just it bums me out more than anything, it bums me out because for me, Birds of Prey was like a super great breath of fresh air in yeah. so many ways because it felt so different than anything we'd really ever had uh, before, yeah. at least for me. And so I was so I was super on board for it. You were super on board for it. So this whole reaction to it still to this day just drives me bananas. What What's funny is that, like, I don't even know if I would say I was super on board with it, but I. I, I mean, I like the movie. We, right. In my review, I just kind of talked about, like, ah, I don't know how I feel about the format of it. It just kind of, like, it doesn't keep me engaged entirely. Um, I, I wouldn't have preferred that it went the way that it did. But but at the same time, it's still, like, really damn good. It's still a breath of fresh air. We, we praise all these comic book movies that come out and try to do something different. And I think, for, for the most part... I mean, they they crushed a lot of it. I mean, they really, really did. And Margot's fantastic. So it, it's just, it's far from a bad movie. It really, really yes. is. Totally. So, um, how, well, you know what? This might be impossible to ask, too. My question was going to be, how lasting do you think Birds of Prey is going to be? But, I mean, again, if, if nothing's coming out in the next three months, I mean, these, these, these might be our movies. We're going to do our top ten list today. I know. So, I mean, a lot of these movies might stick around if nothing else is able to come out. It's so weird, too, because, you know, and real quick to go back to the Bloodshot thing, like, could you imagine? It's so weird that that's a VOD release right now because you saw it in theaters. I didn't get a chance before everything closed. And and I even tweeted when we saw that report and I was like. This tweet 100 percent sums up how disappointing 2020 is for me. You people had one job. And and again, like to your point, Birds of Prey had a longer run in theaters, so people actually saw it in theaters. But it's just weird to me that Bloodshot overtook it. But could you imagine a world where Bloodshot is still in our top 15 by the end of the year, strictly because literally like nothing else comes out? (laughs) If if Bloodshot is in our top 15 of the year, I will make sure that we only cover our top 10 of the year. Like no one will know. I will yeah. I will not release that information to the world. It'll just be our top ten. We won't have any honorable mentions, and that's that. Yeah, that's all I what, could think, man. You know what? Actually, real quick, I'd love to do this. And since since there is a YouTube channel now, I can actually cut these things out and make mini videos. I, I would like to take this opportunity, since this is a home release now, even though I saw it in theaters, we didn't talk about this on Movie mm-hmm. House. I would like to take this opportunity real quick to actually review 
bloodshot if you're oh, okay God. with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm open to it. I'm not happy about it, but I'm open to it. Look, I, I didn't have a lot of faith going into this movie. I, I liked the trailer. I mean, I thought it was interesting, cool concept, visually was good. I was like, this is enough, I think, for me to have a satisfying theatrical experience, but I'm not... I don't have this pre-existing fandom for the character or the publisher or anything like that. Vin Diesel. I mean, the thing that got me there was I thought it was just simply going to be enough. And Aitza Gonzalez, I will see do anything at all. And I'm not going to get vulgar, but, you know, come up with something gross. I will watch Aitza Gonzalez do it because she is uh, so hot it hurts. So... It was enough, and we see everything anyway, so it's not like I had to talk myself out of seeing Bloodshot, but I did see it in the theater, and I was actually on board with this thing until he eventually finds out what's going on with his with his powers and with his body, and he, he wakes up. This is probably like 20 or 30 minutes into the movie. There's a moment where this movie decides, okay... Vin Diesel, 30 minutes in, knows everything about his powers, everything about what happened to him, and the movie completely skips having any sort of, like, origin story whatsoever, where he gets to, like, test everything out and and utilize his powers, and he's just instantly on this mission to take out, and if you've seen the trailers, you kind of know the gist, to take out Toby Kebbell. And from then on, this movie completely jumps the shark... And it, it's it's hard to it's hard to discuss without like actually spoiling it, but it jumps the shark and skips any sort of logic, and the movie's just something else in that moment, and it's downhill from there. And it was super super disappointing. And was, I believe you share that same sentiment. Yeah, it was funny because I was watching it at home, and you literally walked downstairs and you looked at the television. You were like, "This is where the movie becomes bad. Like this That's right. sequence is where it becomes bad." And I was kind of on board with the movie, but I was already not like I wasn't having fun with it. Uh, Dude, bro, Vin Diesel is not a character I really need in my life. And he tries so hard to be dude, bro, Vin Diesel. And it's not great. But on top of that, like the trailers kind of promised it being almost like Edge of Tomorrow-esque or Groundhog Day or Happy Death Day. I thought it was going to be kind of tongue in cheek. And honestly, it probably should have been because the movie takes itself so seriously that it loses all uh, it loses me because I felt like it could have been like a cheesy B fun action film. And it takes itself so seriously that it's just not fun. And I got bored. I was it felt dragged out. That moment that he figures everything out is so early on in the movie that the rest of the movie, I just don't care about anything that's going on. Um Guy Pierce basically just being his character from Iron Man 3 again, the evil doctor, like, come on, pass. I I don't know, you man. You know, it, it, it's interesting that you say that, because I don't think he's, like, maniacal in this movie. I think he's got this, like, subtlety to him that, yeah. I well, I don't think it's on purpose, because I'm not going to give the movie credit for this, but I thought he was actually trying to keep keep me guessing and then like maybe in those super like literal final moments that confrontation in the street maybe that's the most like a bad guy maniacal he is in the entire movie but he was kind of a little bit more thoughtful and not really mustache twirling he just kind of seemed like 
just maybe like not a good guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, instead totally. of like instead of like an action movie bad guy villain, he was just kind of like, you know what? He he's not really that good of a guy because he's using Vin Diesel and he's just thinking about <laughs> his company. Well, but, and that, that's exactly it, I think, though, right? Because in me saying that, he should have just been like a cheesy, bad, over the top villain. Like, okay. imagine if it was Val Kilmer hamming it up like MacGruber style in that movie. Right. That well could have been interesting to me. Not that it necessarily needed to go like that far, but just yeah. I, I have fun with it. I I don't think the movie is fun, and it's also. David, let me look at, uh, David S.F. Wilson, this is the first movie he's ever directed, and mm. it's, there's some shots in the movie that are actually relatively pretty, like, it's, it's not the most terribly shot film, but the action is just no. so poorly staged, most of it, all the same, which is super yeah. frustrating. It was imaginative. Yes, the, the actual confrontation between him and Toby Cabell, which again is very early on in the movie. Don't worry, guys. But it's in a it's in a tunnel, and there's I think flour everywhere, and it's the color red. It's it's in the trailers. I think it actually looks really good, and it's interesting in that way. But it's yeah, it's not staged the best. Yeah, it it, it really kind of shocked me though in that moment, and I I can't describe it enough. There's that moment when he wakes up. And he knows what the mission at hand is. And it, he doesn't have to learn his powers. He, he doesn't have to learn what he's capable of. And it's just really, really... It's the dumbest moment in the movie, I think. And uh, what really, really killed it for me. I was on board. I really was. Uh, up until that point. And uh, it's just unfortunate. I think that the the climax, that final action sequence... I mean, it's just rubber guys fighting oh each God. other. I think it... It's it so bad. bad. It's so bad. This movie, but had, I saw it. I saw it on the big screen, though. You saw it at home, so I can only imagine it probably looked way worse here. It did, and it was in 4K on top of it. Like the 4K just yeah. made it so obvious. And I'm just sitting there, dumbfounded that, uh, well, not super dumbfounded. This is Sony we're talking about, so part of me is not surprised that this movie exists. Um, right. But at the end of the day, it was just like I wanted something more out of it, and. It was not the thing I wanted. And I think had anyone else other than Vin Diesel been in this, you might have been able to get away with it. And I don't even mean that to disparage Vin, because I actually think Vin's like a decent enough actor when he wants to be. Like outside of the Fast and the Furious films, I like him in Riddick. I like him in A Man Apart. A Man a Man Apart is the best movie he's maybe ever been a part of um, as an actor. And so he can act if he wants to. And like Saving Private Ryan proved that, too. But him trying he wants to be young still this character should have been younger <laughs> he, i mean that's really it right like it reminds me yeah. of tom cruise and the mummy when they're talking about tom cruise yeah. being like a young man and you're like he's 50 <laughs> right that's what this yeah, reminded me that. of how how do you feel about i i have no stock in vin diesel like he's fine i don't hate him or anything but i i i'm indifferent like he's not what gets me to go to the movies but what do you think about the statement i couldn't help but laugh at spielberg saying that like the biggest crime against cinema is vin diesel not directing more i know i, do, I like, know what's that about steven spielberg like i love you like you've fallen off the past few years you're my favorite director of all time i love you so much but he does not have the best eye for for talent sometimes i mean Steven Spielberg is single-handedly responsible for unleashing Brett Ratner onto the world. <laughs> yeah, but but also but also, hey, 
how many movies did you let Michael Bay direct? Yeah. And call and call Transformers. Yeah. I mean, there's so I, I don't actually know how involved Spielberg is in those, but I mean, uh, involved enough to executive produce and come up with the idea for Bumblebee. But so, I'll say this: like I I, I laughed and just kind of face palmed <laughs> when I saw that. But then I thought about it, and as weird as this sounds, Vin directed a short Fast and the Furious film. Um, that's on the Fast and Furious 4 Blu-ray. And it's a prequel that's about 20 minutes um, Mm. that takes place just before the movie starts. And you kind of catch up with Dom as a character because you haven't... I was going to say, is it like... Is it reminiscent of Duel? Is that why Steven Spielberg holds it in such high regard? (laughs) No, it's definitely not. It's like a very character-driven, quiet sort of thing. And it's actually pretty good and apparently i didn't know this until that whole conversation i guess vin had like an indie darling film that he directed back in the late 90s early 2000s so maybe spielberg is coming from a place where vin as a director was very interesting because Mm. that could potentially be true and i actually said for the longest time that when he was trying to get i don't remember what movie it was he was trying so hard to get made i was like he should just direct it at this point like, if he wants yep. to make it, just direct it. Like, I know studios may not necessarily back it, but, like, if you want it to happen, you should do it. It might have even been one of the Fast films. I don't remember. So, at the end of the day, I'm just thinking maybe there's a point to that, but, like, his choices of film right now are so questionable a lot of the time that it's hard for me to take it serious all the same. Because, I mean, yep. look, do I want X 4 yeah, I do, because the third one is so bad that it's fun as hell. Like, it's not a good movie, but it it is exactly kind of what I wanted Bloodshot to be. It's tongue-in-cheek, it knows what it is, it plays itself up, and it was fun for that reason. It's not good, but it's fun. If he could do more stuff like that, or if he decides to finally go back to, like, the Saving Private Ryan side of himself where he's actually acting, maybe there's something to that, too. All this to say, Bloodshot is my least favorite movie of the year so far. Easily. Easily. And it's not even close. And I, I, I'm shocked to say that because I did not think I would like it less than the rhythm section. <laughs> the rhythm section doesn't, like, piss me off, though, you know? It's just like, look. Right. Th- this is, like, poorly constructed. I can see, like, I can see what they were going for, but I don't think it came across. Like, the rhythm section we can actually be reasonable, reasonable about, at least, I think. Uh, even though we never need to watch it again in our lives. But Bloodshot is like just the the one time I wanted to leave the theater just because I knew that like, hey, for the next 45 minutes, I get it and it's never going to get better. And, you know, I, I at least didn't have those like arousing feelings towards rhythm sections. It's just a little less harmless, a little more harmless. I'm, I'm going to say this, too, and this is going to sound real bad and I don't necessarily mean it to sound bad but if toby kebble joins a project now it is now very questionable for me if i'm going to enjoy the movie like his track record (laughs) of picking projects is so terrible that i'm starting to think he might be a kiss of death for movies in the same way that melia yovic is like anytime (laughs) she joins a project it's dead on arrival for me yeah and that sucks because I like Toby Kebbell a ton. Like, Rock and Rolla is one of the most underappreciated gangster films maybe ever made. And I thought he was great in that. And 
yet for some reason he keeps picking all these really bad projects right. like Fantastic Four, and it's like, bro, come on, what are you doing? And so that's where I'm at with Toby Kebbell, unfortunately. Remember when he brought Koba to life, and we were just like, oh, dude, yeah. this guy's awesome. And then remember the Ben Hur remake? <laughs> Have I ever told you that I saw that at a test screening? No. God, I I have a whole story about that, but that's beside the point. And that's my point, right? Yeah. He just he did the Ben Hur remake. Like, dude, you were you could literally do anything. You worked on the Planet of the Apes films. You were so good. We all loved you in it. And you have picked literally every bad project you could along the way. Right. I just don't understand. Yeah. Like at all. I, I think maybe the only thing of his that he was in the hurricane heist that tells you literally That's right. everything. That's right. The only th- the only two things that I have liked him in post apes, it seems like is Kong Skull Island. And it's not because of him. I love everyone else in that movie. And I just really like the movie. And I actually am one of the few people who liked Warcraft. And I actually thought he was really, really good in it. Yeah. Other than that, that's it. Um, yeah. I, I think that we've kind of arrived at our next point, too, is that Rhythm Section, for me personally, is my second least favorite movie of the year. And, you know, come, jumping off of that point, I think that's a lot of what, surprisingly enough, the beginning of the year has been about, really. I, I haven't been offended. The fall, or excuse me, not fall, excuse me, winter of 2020. I haven't been really offended by any movie. Um most of the time, no. most of the time, this is like the worst period, the worst quarter for movies, and we're we're just about to jump into the to the summer blockbuster season, if you will. So this it could have been a lot worse, though. I'm looking right now at my list. I'm surprised that first of all, I have two Netflix films uh, as high as I do, just because Netflix movies are Netflix movies, and usually they're disposable, but. I'm surprised at that, and I'm just surprised that I'm actually fine with the movies so far. There's very much, about halfway down the list, it becomes movies that I love to like, that I, I, I like or I'm just kind of indifferent about. And there's more movies that I like this year than movies that I don't like. It's it's kind of surprisingly positive. I'm not going to lie. I don't know that they're lasting I don't know how I'm going to feel about them in a year or two. But for now, I'm looking at this list, it's like, hey... It's actually been a decent opening, maybe one of the best big starts to a year in in the at the movies in a while for me. No, totally. I was actually thinking the same thing as I looked at my list. I would say that I would rewatch eleven of the fifteen movies that we've seen. Yeah, and I have rewatched. Looking at it, I've rewatched at least five or six of them already. Yeah, like that's how much I've actually enjoyed this year, which is interesting because. I usually dread the opening of the year. Yeah, I think I've and seen I, I've seen are. every movie once. I think, and I, I would like to rewatch a couple of them. But that is that's actually a good point to bring up. I haven't rewatched any of these yet. I let's see. I I own I own one of them, and that's Birds of Prey. It's the only movie that I own so far, and. Uh, I could see myself buying one more when it's actually being when it's actually available to buy. But other than that, I I own one, two, three, four, six Dude, of them right now. I was now. gonna say, 
whatever you say, you're the guy who bought Onward knowing that it would be on Disney Plus in two weeks. <laughs> well, you know, things happen. And I did it because I really wanted to rewatch it, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> so that's, that's – you have 15 movies on your list. I have 13. Is that right? Yeah, I believe that is correct. How many Netflix movies do you have? Or just like pure streaming movies? Bagel. Uh it's pure streaming movies. Well, yeah. okay. Well, no, I have one Netflix movie. I apologize. And that's the, we'll get to it. But, it's, a, it's a platform. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, yeah. And then in, I'm not going to, so I saw Color Out of Space in theaters, but it's basically a streaming film. Um, it didn't get like a wide release. Right. And Timmy Failure was a Disney Plus original. So I guess three of my 15 are digital exclusives. Okay. There, there's a few streaming movies that I th- that interest me that I think I would like to see, but um, haven't been screaming at me at the same time. You and I sort of talked about this movie. Uh, I think it's pronounced Vivarium, uh, starring Jesse yes. Eisenberg and Imogen Poots. I would still like to see that movie. Uh, some people are talking about it. I haven't watched it yet, but I probably will. Also, um, there's that movie Horse Girl that people are talking about with Alison Brie. And what's mm-hmm. the other one? It, it's that... I think it's a Hulu original film that's about the Girl Scout tribe. And it's right off the tip oh, of yeah, my yeah, tongue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one on Amazon Prime with um, uh, the girl from Amazon? Annabelle Troop, Comes Home. Troop Zero. Yeah. Yes. Troop Zero. I actually really want to see that. Um, I'm very curious. I love the cast. I, uh, I, I'm intrigued by that, but... Those are some of the more notable movies that we, we haven't seen yet. So you saw Color Out of Space. That's one I have not seen. And then Ip Man 4 was the other one, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And I think the only movie that I have on my list in your blind spot is To All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You. <laughs> yes, because I legitimately have not jumped on any of the rom-com <laughs> stuff on Netflix, which is funny because I'm like a rom-com guy. Like, I love rom-coms. You, you could find me watching Hitch, like, Every other week, if you catch me on the right time, like, I love You've Got Mail. I love rom-coms, and apparently Netflix has done a bunch of them, and I legitimately haven't seen almost any of them. Well, Netflix does a lot of them, but it's the worst of Netflix. To, to all the boys, the first one is, like, actually really good. Like, I'm, I'm shocked to say it, but it's a, it's a guilty pleasure, like, to the point where I was like, hey, I want to watch another one of these, and I did. So I, I like I like the sequel to All the Boys. P.S. I still love you. That's the second one. The third one comes out later this year. Um, but the There's first a one, third one already. Yeah, it comes out later this year. They I think they filmed it back to back, so that's why they're. Oh, uh, okay, okay. It's popping off. But anyway, um, yeah, I think that's the only movie I have in my blind spot. So or in your blind spot, excuse me. So. What else have you observed? We we definitely are going to do our top ten. We're gonna we're gonna do it top ten style. I have my list, you have your list, and we're gonna collectively come up with the movie house uh, top ten. But uh, what else have you observed about the movies this year? Um, kind of looking at it, it, it's just a weird thing altogether because again, the virus kind of screwed so much stuff up. Um. Looking at it, I finally saw The Gentleman. I actually watched it yesterday because I knew we were doing this, and I wanted to finally catch up with it. And I was surprised how little The Gentleman actually seemed to get love. Uh, 
because I actually really, really like that movie, like, a ton. More than I had anticipated, because it had been a while since I'd purely loved a Guy Ritchie movie. And I even said that to you. I was like, I sure. forgot what it was like to love a Guy Ritchie movie. Not because I don't, like, Aladdin's fine, I enjoy it, but it's not like I love it in the way that I love his other work, you know? Yeah. And kind of looking at that, I look at stuff like The Hunt. You and I both were super anticipated about that, and it disappointed both of us. But I wonder, and this is a weird thing, I wonder if The Hunt could be potentially the sign of things to come for certain things. Because now with everything being so delayed after we were all so excited for things, like which of them are going to live up to the hype that we're feeling with it? Which of them are not like, you know, are the studios going to take this extra time to tinker with them a little bit now? Like there's a lot to kind of say about it. And, it. and it's weird that the hunt is the one that I'm looking at in that situation or even Sonic, I guess, to a point because it was also pushed back. Yeah. Um, so that's my curiosity right now. More than anything, I guess is are these two films that were both pushed back kind of the def like a sign of what's to come or are they like the poster children of hey like with sonic maybe you can actually turn a tide and make people anticipate something that maybe they weren't excited for i i i picked up on a couple of things one i think that it's it's interesting how in your face some of these movies are when it comes to encapsulating the time and they exist. I think Invisible Man has a lot of uh, those motifs and concepts that we've kind of been exploring over the past few years yes. post post Me Too. Um, I, I, I think it's subtly in there, though. Like, the first thing you think of is not that, right? When you, when you think of Invisible Man, I think people are just taught, thinking about the universal monster aspect and how it's a spin on that and, and right. how it's a... Maybe not a horror movie, but a, but a, uh, a thriller... Of some type, but all those themes and motifs are still in there subtly, and it's just not like force fed to you. Um, I think that the platform has a lot of that going on, the hunt has a lot of that going on. So, I think all of those explore very similar things and are, are worth uh mentioning. And then the other thing, too, I feel like I kind of knew this anyway about myself over the last few years, but I think so far winter 2020 proves that like i i've just left family movies behind i i don't i don't appreciate them the way that some other people do my age i think our generation especially that grew up not only watching disney vhs's but kind of grew up with pixar toy story all those kind of movies i think our generation really really loves those kinds of movies and i just found that mm -hmm. i don't I, I mean, I don't have a whole lot in my heart for Sonic, for The Call of the Wild, and for Onward. And it's not that I think any of those movies are, are bad or terrible, at least. Sonic, I have very low on my list, but it, it's just a matter of preference and taste. So I can concretely say that I, I, it just is something that I don't latch on to at the end of the day. No, and I I can definitely respect it. I mean, you obviously know me. I actually lean very heavily into stuff like that. I enjoy I enjoy a lot of different type of entertainment. And so like there is something comforting sometimes about a good family comedy type of film. Right. Like 
it just has to actually be good. And the problem is, is when I have something like Sonic, which is also low on my list, you're reminded that sometimes it's really the lowest common denominator, and that's really frustrating. And then you watch something like Timmy Failure and Onward, and I'm reminded, oh, hey, family entertainment can also be great. It's just about who does it and how it's done. So... Uh, it, it's a weird thing, but you're not wrong. And then, yeah, there's definitely been the, like you said, with the hunt and some of, you know, the platform, we're definitely leaning out on the social commentary of things, especially Invisible Man. I mean, even the way back to a point, uh, I would say, has its own unique spin on the way we view alcoholism and things like that. So th- there's a lot to be said about a lot of these movies. And don't get me wrong, I love having a good time, too, but there's a reason that a couple of these movies are the higher ones on my list because I think that they stand for something and they have something to say. The people that are watching me on YouTube right now, they can see me frantically looking for paper and pen because I'm going <laughs> to write down these lists as they go. So uh, I was probably looking like a madman to everybody watching me. Well, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I found a Sharpie and a piece that, of paper. That stuff yeah. happens. Um, so I think uh, we've done a pretty good job assessing the movies so far. And I would love to start doing our list. I'm very excited to hear. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm excited because I think that you and I will share very similar lists. And it's not important that we think the same way, but it's also super validating. And uh, it also just, at the end of the day, I need you to think <laughs> what I think so that <laughs> the movie house list is a lot easier to make. <laughs> Right. No, and that's totally... Look, again, we managed to do a top 100 of the decade list together. I think we can get through what we're going to currently call the top 10 of the year so yeah, far. Yeah, I was going to say, that that took the, days. I, I This has to take minutes. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, we don't have that kind of time, that's number right. one. to. Well, actually, that's not true. We have all the time in the world right that's now. Insane. That's not really the no. point. Uh, we got this, is, is what I'm getting at. We got this. Let's do it. Um, what's your number 10, PJ? Right off the bat. My, my number 10 right off the bat is going to be the platform. Oh, wow. Okay. That is uh, a lot lower than I anticipated for you. Um, my number 10 is The Hunt. So. That is interesting you, to me. Is The Hunt lower than you thought on my list? Uh, no, I'm well. You, I'm actually a little surprised that it made the oh. list. But then I was thinking about it. You have 13, mm-hmm. and of course that wouldn't be in the bottom three because I know what your bottom three would be. Like after we've yeah. talked, and I'm like, oh no, no, it totally makes sense exactly where it's at. Yeah, the 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 hunt is probably the reason why it's in the top ten, but it's number ten is that it's the best movie, but it's the most disappointing and. I don't think that it was the most underwhelming and it was the one that I don't think followed through on its, on its promise. So it's, it's, it's number 10. It's really kind of self-explanatory. No, I get it, man. Um, yeah, I just thought you appreciated the platform more than that. Um, I, I do, but I would, everything that's above it, I either like a lot more sure. or I've revisited more. So it's not even a, it, it, again. It's also a weird thing because we only had a handful of movies to pick. That's this right. Year. So um, it, it's not even an. I, I'm going to say this. 
every movie in my top 10 right now, I really, really like. So for what that says, it's not even that it's low. It's just that there's something I like a little bit more and a little bit more as we go on. What's your number nine? Uh, My number nine is Color Out of Space. And I am shocked it's so low. But at the same time, to my point, it's not that I think it's low. It's just there's a lot of stuff I really like also about it. You and I have already talked about this off air, but there's no way in hell that I need to see this movie, correct? I would hate it. No, it, you you would hate it. I know you. Yeah. You would hate that's this right. movie. My <laughs> and that's fair, and I get it. My number nine is Call of the Wild. I like that. That's nice. That's a good call. Of the Wild. That's right. That's a but that's I'm a great sh- call of the Wild, isn't? Um, what's your number <laughs> eight? So far, we're not in sync yet, and we've. No, we're definitely we haven't even we're definitely not. I think it. Go ahead. We'll be in sync soon. I was gonna say we'll be not quite. We're not in sync, but we also haven't named a single movie that's on the other person's list. Like, forget about not matching up the numbers, but we we have four completely different movies so far. Yeah, and I think it's not going to get any better with this because I know you did not see this movie. Uh, My number eight is It Man Four. This was a movie that I was very much anticipating as you know um i'm a big fan of martial arts films i'm a big fan of donnie yen and i'm a big fan of this series i got to see it on the big screen here because our local indie theater got to play it which was magnificent for me because i was afraid i was not going to get to see it in theaters and it was i i reviewed it after i saw it like very briefly on here but it was exactly the finale i was hoping it would be it was very emotional and it was exactly the film it needed to be for me Um, to kind of say goodbye to the series. So I'm really, really happy that it came out. I'm really glad that it made my list already, and I'm glad that it's in my top ten. My number eight is To All the Boys 2. So, again, we haven't listed a single movie that's on the other person's list so far. It's kind of crazy. No. But that, that means... It is. That means that we might be way more in sync than I thought going in. Because the only movies that we really have left are <laughs> movies that we both see. Yeah, are movies we saw that's together. Right. That's right. So, anyway... I, the only one... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think my next one's going to be the last one that neither of us have. Or, like, on the same list. Hey, what's that? That would be my number seven, Timmy Failure, Mistakes Were Made. Um, this is a, a Disney Plus original. It's actually directed by Todd McCarthy, who did Spotlight. It was an indie pickup that Disney got out of the festival circuit last year. I'm a big fan of neo-noir films, um, and this is like a throwback to that type of storytelling. <laughs> and yet, but it's weirdly, like, it's set in... Seattle. Timmy Failure is a neo-noir movie on Disney+. Plus. Yes, with a small child who has a polar bear as a a sidekick (laughs) who is trying to solve crimes in his hometown. Very good. And he narrates the movie all the way through and everything, just like a noir film. It's it's pretty great. And I laughed all the way through. I think it's got a, its heart in the right place. It's its just a really good movie. I, if you get a chance, check it out. All right. Timmy Failure on Disney+. Plus. By the way, um, watch the first To All the Boys. I, I promise you, you'll love it. Whether, it. You know, it doesn't matter that it's not a 2020 movie. Um, I think you'll really appreciate it. And then you'll want to watch the sequel, even though the sequel's not... I, I actually plan... 
I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna watch both of them. Uh, probably in the next week. The sequel's not as good, but again, it's a it's a guilty guilty pleasure. That's why I was excited to watch the second one. It's not as good, but I still again guilty pleasure. I'm into it, so I appreciate it. What's go ahead? What's the one with? Um, oh, is it Randall Park and Keanu Reeves? Because I haven't seen yeah, that one that's, either. Um, if you didn't ask me, I could have told you. It's but that's that's definitely uh. the. Like highest profile rom com, right? Um, you know, it, to all the boys, it's like it's a rom com, but it's also just like a teen movie. Which I only say that because I love teen movies. Well, I only say that because that could make it that much worse. It, like if it really wanted to be, that can make it a worse movie because people our age don't relate to that shit anymore. So it's one. It's one thing if we can't. If we watch a movie that's about not finding the right person on a dating app, which is something that we can at least relate to, but we can't relate to guys and girls taking high school relationships seriously anymore. So I'm kind of arguing with myself, like, hey, even more so, Ryan, it makes no sense that you love this franchise, but uh, I I can't help it. It's really good. So um, I get it, man. I get it. My number seven, and I think from now until uh my number one is it's it's movies that you've seen so my number seven is the gentleman and right before we hit record the gentleman was actually behind to all the boys too and uh you watching that movie at home yesterday and seeing some of it again and kind of refreshing it in my memory made me realize it's just a better movie than to all the boys too so that was a last minute last minute switch for me that's awesome because my number six is the gentleman. So now we're starting to get actually in sync because like you said, this movie is actually like spectacularly good. Um, I kind of said it earlier. I missed loving a guy Ritchie film. And for me, rock and roll was kind of his magnum opus of of like gangster British filmmaking. This is very close for me. Uh, to being on that level. I did not expect to enjoy it nearly as much as I did. I liked the trailers. I didn't love them. And I was surprised how drawn into this movie I was. Charlie Hunnam is fantastic in the lead, but Hugh Grant is so good. And Matthew McConaughey is so good. Like everyone is actually really spectacular throughout the movie. I had so much fun with it. I thought Hugh Grant and Colin Farrell almost single-handedly steal the film from everyone around them. And it literally kept me guessing because I was not sure how it was going to end. And it almost had like a meta quality uh, to its storytelling as well when everything is wrapping up that I was really, really into. And I felt like this was kind of him winking at the camera, knowing exactly what he was doing. And it just worked for me, man. Like I was super into it from beginning to end. What's your number five? Oh, wait. Did I say my number uh, six? No, you did not. The platform. My bad. Okay. No, no. You're good. So you have it much higher than I have it currently. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So the plat- the platform conceptually, I mean, it's just right up my alley. I don't think that it succeeds wildly with the character work. I mean, we just reviewed that movie, so I don't need to go over it again. But I will take the time. If you have not seen the platform... Please check it out on Netflix. It's one of the better Netflix original movies that I've seen in a while, but also obviously of the year so far. And a lot of people are talking about it. Like 
to this day, it, it's a word of mouth thing. I still get on the internet. I still get on Twitter, see people discovering this, see, see uh, articles written about it. So the platform is just that kind of movie. And uh, I'm just going to take this opportunity to make sure everybody goes and at least checks it out. And uh, remember that it's dubbed and relax. Yeah, and I totally agree with Ryan, by the way. Like, if you have not seen it, I really implore you to check it out. Uh, the Saw meets Snowpiercer comparison is very, very apt in a lot of different ways. So if you like either of those, I would suggest watching it. I think it's one of the most interesting thrillers that I've seen in a while. What's your number five? My number five is Birds of Prey. Me too. So. Look at that. All right, let, let's see how... How we finish here, because it's very possible. I, I think you might have one movie flipped, uh, but we'll see. All right, what's I think that's very possible. What's your number four? My number four is a film that you and I could not believe we liked as much as we did, so much so we ran home to do a review for it, and that is Bad Boys for Life. Me too. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, again, we did a review of this, but... so. So, I think our top five is the exact same now. I'm 95% sure it is now. What's your number three? Onward? <laughs> it's the same top five. Oh my God, this yes. is great. It's going to be the same. All right. So, your number two is The Way Back. Oh, 100%. And your number one is Invisible Man. Correct. All right. That makes this way easier. So, there, there's that, guys. We have... Our, our number one movie so far in 2020 is Invisible Man. Our number two is The Way Back. Three, Onward. Four, Bad Boys for Life. And Birds of Prey is number five. Which means our number six film is going to be The Gentleman. Our number seven movie is going to be the platform. The platform, right? That's right. And so then we have, let's see, Timmy Failure looks like it's going to be number eight. Uh, number nine is going to be To All the Boys Two. So I'm surprised because I thought we would at least have the commonality of Call of the Wild, which we do not. Because um, it's just nowhere on your list, which is interesting. That's the that's the one movie I thought for sure was going to be on your top ten, whether we matched up or not. So, so it was edged out by the platform. I could not, for the life of me, put the platform below Call of the Wild. Me neither. But yeah, I I just couldn't do it. I, I looked at my list. I couldn't take anything off that was already there. And I like Call of the Wild quite a bit, actually, like yeah. more than most people. But. I just could not bring myself to put it above the platform. I get it. I, I'll i read this off one more time, just because, sorry, I was busy writing. So that way everybody knows, at the end of the quarter, quarterly report, we have the top 10 movies of 2020 so far. Number one being Invisible Man. Number two being The Way Back. Number three being Onward. Number four being Bad Boys 3. Number five, Birds of Prey. Number six is The Gentleman. Number seven is The Platform. Number eight is Timmy Failure. Number nine is To All the Boys I Loved Before. Or no, To All the Boys P.S. I Still Love You. Excuse me. And then number ten is Ip Man 4. And 
That's a list, ladies and gentlemen. That You know what I'll say about that list on top of everything else? One, look how diverse that is. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of different stuff. There's two movies that are actually technically three movies that are not American films, which I think is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, you're kind of it, it skirts a little bit with The Gentleman because it definitely was done by like a an Americanized an American studio, but it's very much a British film. Yeah, like I, I'm very impressed with what we have because you have the platform it man, Timmy failure and the gentleman, which are all like not huge films. All of them kind of different. You have the invisible man, which is just spectacular horror. filmmaking. We, we might actually back. have like an example for almost every genre in existence. So we have thriller, yeah. thriller, horror, sports, animated, family i mean it's it's crazy we have a lot of martial arts superhero comic mm-hmm. book i mean we we've got it all rom-com crazy that's awesome yeah it's amazing like i i'm actually very impressed with our list yeah and is that crazy well we have a great diverse interesting top 10 so far and we also are unified um with the fact that bloodshot is the worst movie of the year so it's actually like <laughs> i don't know it's comforting it didn't have to be this way we didn't have to think similarly uh for this to be a good list or anything like that but it's kind of like comforting that we're so much on the same page that means that our bottom four are exactly the same i'm pretty sure including bloodshot so just for shits and gigs uh i only have three movies left so sonic is number 11 rhythm section 12 bloodshot 13 so that's exactly the order you have it's yeah and the hunt at uh, 11 yeah. for me. Yeah. So our bottom four are exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> this It's amazing to me that it's like just the middle of both of our lists that are so different because we both saw some different things. But right. literally everything else on top and bottom has been the same. Pretty much. So now that we're on YouTube, we've opened the floodgates. People can comment down below. I'm curious if people are on the same page as we are. Um you know, I, I think there's going to be those people that don't like Birds of, Birds of Prey as much. There's going to be people that just haven't seen movies like The Platform or Color Out of Space. Um, but I feel good about our top five, four or five. So we'll see what people say. Feel free to comment down below. Uh, our podcast listeners, the people that follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, they're super respectful. I think hopefully that's something PJ and I uh inspire out of you guys is a nice respectful dialogue uh between each other um so we'd love for you to sound off as long as you're cool just be cool about it sound off in the comment section down below and let us know how you feel about our list let us know uh what you think what we might have missed maybe you saw vivarium and you think it deserves to be in the top 10 uh you can let us know that kind of stuff too recommend things that we haven't seen yet and uh yeah that was good. That was a good thing. That was fun. That was real good, man. That was real fun. And I'm I'm with you. Like I'm I'm always shocked in the in the right ways. And I guess I shouldn't have to be, but this is because it's the internet. I love our listeners. I love the people who listen, who comment on our stuff on Twitter or what have you, because I always feel like they're very respectful, even if they don't agree with us. Yeah. And that's kind of a nice thing. And especially with everything going on right now. I don't really need the negativity, guys. So even if you don't love the list and you don't agree, that's cool. 
just don't be a dick about it. Yeah. Like, that's all I ask. And I don't yeah. think anyone will, but there's always one person who wants to be a dick about things. I, I don't think so, they will. I don't think they will if they already listen to us. But because people have no people will snowball upon this, have no idea who they are. Those are the people that we have to worry about. But those are also the people that I don't give a shit about. So I'll just get you right out of here. That's fair. I'll say I'll say yeah. you're God. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Uh, uh, in the yep. famous words of David Spade, "Bye bye." That's right. So I, I have to say too, man. Like, I love that we did this because one thing, it, again, the quarantine's been the best because you and I get to like hang out, talk shop, do these lists. That's right. We get to do more content than we were doing. It's hard to be upset about that. It really is. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that about does it. If you go to letterbox.com/moviehousepod, this list. Will be made available. Just look for Winter 2020 Quarterly Report. It'll have that there. And yeah, do all the things that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Subscribe to the two YouTube channels. All that stuff is in the description down below. There's other stuff coming, more videos coming. We love you. Thank you so much for supporting us. As always, PJ, sign off. Tell them where they can find you. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PJ underscore Campbell. Find me at the PJ Campbell Network Facebook group where you can come hang out. We talk about movies. You'll see all the stuff that I'm doing on YouTube right now. Um, I'll be sharing anything that I'm doing with Ryan from Movie House. I'm sharing everything I'm doing over at the PJ Campbell Show Network. So we're good. There's a lot going on. I'm just happy to be back uh, back in the saddle, man. It feels good. Twitter and Instagram at WhatUpSnell. You can also check out my other podcast. Twitch channel, YouTube channel, Sight and Sound that I do with Jay Williams. I think the next episode, what are we doing? I don't know where my notebook That's... is. Did I leave my notebook in your office? Oh, I know where it is. I Hold on. Hold on. I got it. it. I'm just going to vamp as Ryan grabs it. You know, vamp, 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 anyway. vamp. That's definitely not what it does, but, you anyway. know, I vamped. So. Uh, the next episode that we are going to do on the podcast feed. Okay, it's an episode of TV House on Monday. Myself and Austin Burke will be reviewing the new show on Prime Video called Tales from the Loop that is inspired by an artist that I, I forgot his name, but Jay has his work on his desktop wallpaper. Um, it's produced by Matt Reeves, so we're going to check that out on yes. Prime Video. I think that comes out. It's going to be released today, Friday the third um and so we'll be talking about tales from the loop on monday so look out for that on the podcast feed and youtube channel movie house thank you so much guys we'll see you then